17% of America's children are considered obese. And last week, a study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association found obesity in two to five-year-olds has decreased 40%. But that's such a small age range, and many children older than that struggle with being overweight. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and on this hour of Noon Edition, co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael and I are looking into the issue of child obesity and what is being done to help stop it. Our guests include Hattie Johnson, the Director of Nutrition Services for the Monroe County Community School Corporation, Daisy Chu of Girls, Inc., and Kim Rule and Lisa Henley of the Indiana Association for Child Care Resource and Referral. Stay with us for the, to join the discussion after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And on this week's show, we're going to learn about the problem of childhood obesity and uh, unhealthy children here in Indiana and whether efforts to promote healthier lifestyles for our kids are working. And we have four great guests with us in the studio today. We have Hattie Johnson with us. Uh, Hattie is the Director of Nutrition for the Monroe County Community School Corporation. Daisy Chu is the Program Director of Girls, Inc., a nonprofit organization that focuses on giving confidence to girls. And we have two representatives from the Indiana Association for Child Care Resource and Referral, Kim Rule and Lisa Henley. Uh, if you want to join us on the program, please phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. You can also join a live chat at, w- at uh, Noon Edition. Uh, wait, that's wfiu.org um, slash Noon Edition, right? That's where, yep. Yep, yep. Lost that one. And uh, <laughs> on, on Twitter, we're at Noon Edition. So you can, you can uh, join us in any of those ways if you have questions or comments on these topics. So thank you all for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. It's a, a very serious uh, issue that we're talking about, but last week, uh, according to our producers, a, a study was released that found that children, uh, obesity rates in children ages 2 to 5 has decreased, actually, by 40%. But as we know, there's still a huge number of kids that uh, are overweight. And also, I guess uh, we want to start this program by just asking all four of you, I mean, how does Indiana fit into this? Is Indiana better or worse for childhood obesity than other places? Who wants to start? 
Okay. I, I'm going to pick somebody then. <laughs> well, I, I – Kim I, and Lisa, Kim, you guys. Well, I think for Indiana, um, that study really gave it across the board for the United States. For, for Indiana, uh, we're about the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, ours hasn't um, increased nor has it decreased. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's a plus, right? Because really for the, about the last two decades, we've seen obesity rates um, increase all across the United, United States, but especially Indiana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the reason I sort of framed that that way is I know that we've seen all sorts of um, stories over time about how Indiana is one of the fattest states in the nation. I think mm-hmm. that we're considered a, a state where nutrition is probably not as high on everybody's radar as, as in other states, and there's just more more weight. So does that typically um, go down to children as well? Hattie, are you aware of that? I think, and, and maybe it's because of the nutrition ed that happens in schools or some of the media and the changes that uh, USDA has implemented uh, with our reauthorization in 2010, I think our kids, especially the, the, the lower grades, are more in tune, uh, more likely to try a fruit or a vegetable. Our high schoolers, I mean, they started out differently mm-hmm. than the preschoolers and, and K-6 kids do. And when all of these changes came into play, their habits were well established. So it's a little tougher mm-hmm. uh, to turn the table mm-hmm. uh, with that group, but mm-hmm. I think Overall, we're in Indiana catching on. Mm-hmm. Uh, da- Daisy, do you find than people think? Yeah, Daisy, <laughs> do you find the same kind of thing with um, the kids you see at, at Girls Inc. That is, that maybe the younger kids have more of an idea of what they should be eating than older kids, or or is it just a, an issue with teenagers that they're going to go out and eat chips and drink pop anyway? <laughs> Um, I think that easy to access food is is definitely something that teenagers like a lot of. I mean, they've got a, a lot of things that they're doing after school. They've got a lot of things going on in high school. So, um, sort of having that food accessible for them, I think, is probably also sort of peer pressure mm-hmm. to yeah. eat that. Um, but you know, we find that a lot of our kids when presented the choice and a bit, um, option to try something new that, you know, more often than not that they actually like it. Mm-hmm. So to, to be able to provide those opportunities for kids of all ages to try something new, fruits, vegetables. I mean, we had a girl a couple weeks ago in our nutrition program try red potatoes for the first time, and she went into it saying, oh, I'm not going to like that. They're a funny color, and then, you know, they end up she wanted more of them. <laughs> well, of course she did. The red potatoes are delicious. <laughs> Well, I'm curious about the decrease, a 40% decrease in the kids from 2 to 5. Does anybody know to what that's being attributed? Well, they're really not sure. Some of the information that we've received from colleagues um, through the CDC have have stated that one of the attributes is, especially in that age range from 2 to 5, as we know a lot of children between the ages of 2 and 5 are in child care programs. And children that are in child care programs are being affected by some nutritional standards that have changed for child care um, coming down from the USDA. Mm-hmm. So some of that is, is, is playing a big role in children getting more nutritional choices at child care. Mm, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, can, can one of you, uh, perhaps Lisa or Kim, just define obesity? I mean, how, how overweight does a child have to be to be considered obese? Well, for children, it's it's different than for us as adults. Um, but for children, it's based on age. 
Mm -hmm. um, and then also their height and their weight. And so it's really hard. So there's not one answer for that. Mm -hmm. So they break it down per age group. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is challenging and a problem that we have heard a lot is that as parents, we don't understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we'll start to see more of a shift um, as we do um, interact with pediatricians at well checks. I think we're going to start to see a shift of more explanations of that. But it is definitely true across the board. We don't understand that as parents or caregivers um, or maybe community members um, Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier as as adults. Yeah. And and can you all talk about the, you know, the issues that this brings up? I mean, you know, kids are kids. They're going to eat a lot of things. And I don't think um, I'm just this is my opinion. So, this, like I said, it would be a conversation. So I, I don't think we all want our kids obsessing over a few extra pounds and that kind of thing. So, I mean, how do you sort of um, make that jump to, okay, you know, we, we don't want to scare kids into never wanting to eat anything or becoming bulimic or anything like that. But at the same time, we need to make sure that, that parents and kids know, understand the issues if kids pack on too much weight too early. So how do you sort of make that balance? I think. I was just going to say, I think it's important for parents, caregivers, educators to understand what the risk factors are for obesity. And um, I think that's a really a first step. So one of the things that we know is that children who engage in um, don't have high nutritional values. Um, physical activity plays a big part. Um, we know in our project we work a lot on screen time education, being educated mm-hmm. on how much screen time children are engaging in. That's a, that's a risk factor for obesity. Um, so understanding what those risk factors are is, is really important, I think, for, for us to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have kind of a theory about this, that the combination of increased screen time and screen time being used as kind of a babysitter, if you will, um, you know, you're, you, if, if your kids are in your family room in front of a screen, you know where they are. And so um, part the other part of that is I think that um, as parents, we've become so scared of just letting our kids go outside and run around like people, you know, Bob and my age, we just kind of went out in the morning and came home at night for dinner and or, or lunch, you know, and that was that was normal then. But as parents, we're kind of scared to do that and, and in fact would feel irresponsible if we did that. So I think it's a really hard balancing act both both for the children and for the parents. Um, are you, especially at, at Girls Inc., are you um, actively promoting um, I know there's there's a softball program um, uh, at Girls Inc. What other kind of basketball. volleyball and mm-hmm. basketball now? Um, what um, what other kind of physical activities are you encouraging and and really trying to get girls involved in? Yeah, absolutely. We have a wide variety of programs that um, we do to sort of you know target this issue. Um, we focus not only on physical activity, but we also focus on healthy body body image and nutrition programming mm-hmm. to sort of get this whole package um, for our girls. But specifically in the physical activity um, portion of that, you know, we do offer learning leagues in volleyball and basketball for girls as young as six on up through high school. It's a great opportunity for kids that, you know, either um, don't have the opportunity to play a sport, to to try something new. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very affordable and, you know, we teach them from the ground up. So that's just, it's it's a great opportunity for kids to learn a new sport. Also in our after school programs, you know, we've got some motor skill development programs for our youngest girls. Um, 
We also, um, we partner with Hoosier CrossFit, and we do CrossFit for kids in our summer programs, which is wonderful because it's promoting, you know, it's a healthy body image. It's this mentality of, wow, I can do something that I never thought I would be able to do. And, of course, you know, sort of a free, free range of motion for our kids. So I think that's what's really important. Um, and and what after-school programs and this myriad of community partners that are mm-hmm. available in Bloomington, which is something I love about Bloomington. Mm-hmm. And I don't think um, all of the parents are aware of, of how many options are available for their kids to stay active. You know, you don't have to sit them in front of the TV. <laughs> they can come to Girls Inc. or they can come to Boys and Girls Club or they can mm-hmm. go to the YMCA and have all these great youth programs to stay active and healthy and learn new things at the same time. And I know there are scholarships available for all those programs as well as transportation yes. from school. Mm-hmm. And then the parents can pick kids up at the location as opposed to at school after school so yeah that's you're right like in Bloomington sure you're listening to Noon Edition here on WFIU and today we are talking about childhood obesity and if you have any comments or questions that you want to ask us or share with us uh, please join us on a live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition or on Twitter at Noon Edition or you can just pick up the phone Give us a call. We'll put you on the air, 855-0811 or toll-free, 1-877-285-9348. I wanted to ask Hattie about, uh, about, about lunches at schools now because, you know, we all – everybody who's out there listening mm-hmm. has some experience with a school lunch. And I'm sure that, you know, mine is much different from what you're offering now because when I was back that age, you know, you got a tray full of food and I can't say – I, I liked it. I ate it, but I don't think it was all that nutritious. Probably uh, all those many years ago. So, I mean, how are kids sort of takes inside a school cafeteria today at MCCSC? Well, everybody knows that we're federally funded, <clears throat> and with that comes a lot of rules and guidance. Um, I think uh, I've, I'm going to say how many years I've been <laughs> in, I've been in K-12 schools uh, since '93. Mm-hmm. And things are quite different in 2014 than they were then. The reauthorization Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act is what it was known as a 2010 sweeping change, um, and even what the requirements were. So with that process, uh, we ended up reducing portion sizes, increasing fruits and veggies, um, lowering fat, and we're on the track to lowering sodium um, even further by 2016. Uh, Currently, the requirement is that all of our grains be at least 50% um, July 1, then we're 100%. At MCCSC, we're about at 90% um, there already. I'm not sure what you just said. Your grains? Grains. The grains, bread, grains, cereals, anything like that that we offer, the regulations require that by July 2014, Anything we offer be 100% whole grain. Whole grain. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And Mm -hmm. so we're about 90%. Um, For our kids, what that that meant to them, I mean, we've been transitioning since 08 when the Mm -hmm. interim rule came out. We started to make change here at MCCSC. Um, The first thing our students saw was that their 2% milk went away. Um, It took them about three years to get used to the fact that whole milk just wasn't there. That was a change that just made sense to us, and we did it. But knowing the regulation was we just just could not see logic that USDA would not say go to 1% and fat-free. So we 
over time just transitioned out. And so when the regulation went in effect last year, we were already there. Um, uh, the only flavored milks we're doing, which, again, didn't make our students happy, mm-hmm. uh, is chocolate. We used mm-hmm. to do strawberry, and there was one called um, birthday cake. <laughs> so sweet. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess. So sweet. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, the students have adjusted well, I think, you know, if we brought strawberry or some of those other flavors back, uh, they might be thrilled, uh, but we're not bringing them back. Mm-hmm. Um, so their options in that area are 1% uh, white and skim and then the fat-free chocolate. Um, we brought in salad bars, uh, mm-hmm. all kinds of fruits and veggies. They just have so many choices. Um, our middle and high schools particularly, mm-hmm. they can pick from any entree um, offered and count that towards lunch. We don't sell anything um, a la carte, a food item, a la carte that doesn't fit into the meal pattern. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you get to the high school level, yes, there's baked chips there, which never fit into the meal pattern. Used two years ago, I was like, somebody help me understand what vegetable that is. But um, (laughs) so... They became a la carte only. Gatorade, of course, a la carte only. There's no real nutritive value there. Um, so, and our students, like you said, we used to, when we went to school, was on the tray and here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, now they have to learn to understand there's five components that make that meal, the protein, the grain, the fruit, the veggie, the milk. And they get to choose from the selection that's there, what they want. So it's like a granule of food. That's right. Okay. Um, the portion size varies by the age group because our calorie targets are defined mm-hmm. by the age group. Mm-hmm. So while at elementary they can only choose two servings of vegetables and one serving of fruit, by the time they get to high school, they've got two fruits, two veggies, if they want them. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of kids go home still hungry at the end of the day. But when I talk to parents, most of that is because they didn't take everything that they could. Mm -hmm. Because a lunch, while there's five components and you can have multiple servings of some things, if you only take three, USDA says that's still a lunch. As Mm -hmm. long as fruit or vegetable was represented, it's still a lunch. It still qualifies us for federal reimbursement, and they don't get a comeback for seconds. Mm -hmm. And so that child will go home hungry, whereas the one who said, I need everything that's an option on my tray, he's Mm going to say pay the same thing that the student who only selected three of his components. This is sort of an aside, but uh, how long has it been since uh, South and North have had the the closed lunch hours? Um, I don't know. I came to MCCSC in 06, and they were already closed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I just remember, you know, our newspaper's across from South, and I remember what a weird situation it was because South kids at noon would be running across the street to go to Noble Romans, which Mm -hmm. used to be there. Mm -hmm. And not only were they eating, you know, pizza for lunch every day and breadsticks or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they were – running the risk of getting run over by a car. I mean, it was really fairly chaotic, but it was kind of controversial when they made the switch. Yeah. Kids didn't like it, of Yeah, course. when they when they closed, as, as the history was told to me, when they closed campus, initially then the district contracted with fast food restaurants, mm-hmm. and that was, I mean, our staff was there, mm-hmm. but the food was all carried in from all these mm-hmm. restaurants. Um, there are some folks in town who still think that's what we do, mm-hmm. but they couldn't afford to do that. District saw the light, couldn't afford that. It wasn't that healthy. 
And at this point, the only thing that's carried in um, to our schools at North and South is pizza. That's because we cannot keep up with the volume of pizza that kids want. Um, but mm-hmm. our, currently our contract is with Avers, and we just love Avers. They do a great job for us. But the pizza we serve in our cafeteria is not the Avers pizza that you can go downtown because we have to do that whole grain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they spent lots of money, I'm sure, in time with their chefs to develop a crust um, that would be the whole grain we needed that would taste good that our students would accept. So when you open the box, when you look at it, you think Avers. When you taste it, you actually still think Avers. Uh, But we know um, as we crunch our nutritionals and look at recipes that we really are offering the students a much healthier product um, than if we had continued to do what we were doing in the past. Mm-hmm. Hattie, I want to follow up with something else, if you don't mind. I know just running my own home kitchen mm-hmm. that, you know, keeping ahead of the vegetables mm-hmm. get, you know, becoming overripe and just getting the fruits at the right moment when they're mm-hmm. ripe and serving them um, is sometimes challenging, and I don't always quite hit it on the mark. I would think that that would be multiplied uh, many times over for, a, a, you know, feeding the number of mm-hmm. people that you have to feed. How has that um, changed your just logistics? Well, we're, we're fortunate a little bit in that we found um, a vendor that would deliver fresh produce twice a week instead of once a week. Um, so that in itself has been wonderful. Uh, we struggle most in the produce area with bananas um, because if we get them in ripe, I mean, they're good today, bad tomorrow. <laughs> if we get them in turning, then we have the struggle of how many days are we really going to uh, be able to use those. Um, but that two-day-a-week really um, makes a huge, huge difference in being able to have good quality produce every day. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So we also have Lisa Henley and Kim Rule here, and they're both with the Indiana Association for Child Care Resource and Referral. And Lisa is with the uh, Indiana Healthy Weight Initiative as well. Are both of you with involved with yes with that organization? Both of us participate. So, so I, I want I wanted to get your reaction to the things that Hattie was saying. I mean, you must work with schools around the state to try to. I assume you do, to to try to make sure they're helping keep kids healthy? Well, with the Indiana Healthy Weight Initiative, actually, um, that was formed in 2008. Mm -hmm. And actually, they did a two-year planning um, across the board, so across all sectors and and where people live, work, play. Um, So there's actually eight different groups. Mm -hmm. Kim and I sit on the child care, early childhood group, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and chair that. Uh, but there is a schools group, so uh, K through 12. Um, there's a faith-based group, um, older adults, uh, work sites, breastfeeding, and communities. So we just are a part of one of those groups, okay. but um, so the early childhood group. So with the early childhood group, um, how are you making a difference? Well, um, I think we're making a difference um, because we're – bringing in other people who we consider our stakeholders uh, who uh, support and represent child care. And what are the barriers for child care programs to actually offer nutritious meals and offer good physical activity for the children that they care for? 
Um, so we're working with anybody from licensing to the child and adult care food program to uh, Indiana State Department of Health is representative on there to child care providers. Um, anybody else, Kim? I think that's about it. Um, so we bring out issues such as um, one issue is um, there's been a barrier on serving family-style meals in, in child care. We get a, a little bit of problem with licensing maybe uh, confusing the child care provider. And we know that um, offering family-style style meals actually is very helpful mm-hmm. for young children. They have a lot of skills that they're learning when they learn to pour, and, and if they serve themselves, they're more likely to want to try that. Um, and it's very interesting, the differences with uh, children as they get older, right? Um, oh, well, I'll try that now. Well, actually, oftentimes a young child has to be offered something maybe as much as 15 times before they're actually going to try it and really maybe like it. Hmm. So it's different. Um, when we think about what's happening, any child birth to five. And it's also different on, on they don't get a la carte, right? Mm-hmm. What we should be doing actually with young children is we should be saying as parents or caregivers, um, this is when we're going to eat and this is what I'm going to offer you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's up to the child, though, whether they're going to choose to eat it. And sometimes parents get very confused, especially parents, because children sometimes developmentally have various different growth spurts. You'll find children who they'll eat more than an adult sometimes, and then you'll find some children at some other points, you're wondering how they survive from one day to the next because they're not eating a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I think that, you know, Hattie made a really good point that, you know, making that big change in 2010 whether it's at a public school or in childcare, that's maybe receiving funds um, federally to help um, support their their food program and their own programs, is that if we offer children healthy choices, at first it might be a change for them and it might take 15 times to try it, but they do learn to develop those mm-hmm. um, those choice makings. And it doesn't mean they're always going to choose everything, but I think it's important for us to be offering those choices um, across all, all sectors. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that we do that, because I think sometimes it's parents or maybe caregivers, and I'm sure, you know, teachers that we work with in the early childhood field, um, we really encourage more fresh options and, you know, some pushback that sometimes we hear as well, the kids aren't going to eat that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to end up throwing it away. And so Mm -hmm. it's it's the unknown a little Mm -hmm. bit or assuming that they're not going to want to try it, but they do, Mm -hmm. um, the more options that we give them. And I liked, um, you were talking about the vending choices. We've Mm -hmm. been working with child care programs here in the state and specifically here in Bloomington, we have have a program, well, across the state we have a program called Taking Steps to Healthy Success, and we're working specifically with child care programs on these specific goals, and um, we're working with about 47 programs across the state um, to really look at these risk factors and obesity to help them assess their own programs and make changes that can be made so that they can incorporate these um, healthy choices for children to make a difference. Because we know that if children are obese between the ages of two and five, they're five times more likely to be obese as adults. So mm-hmm. this is the time to catch that um, before they are 
in high school or older, and, and, and we can't. But we have some programs here in the Bloomington area that have also worked with vendors um, to change some of the options. It's not uncommon for childcare programs to do a lot of canned food uh, to, as for fruit options. And um, so they've been working with vendors as well mm-hmm. to get um, to, to make some changes. Instead of having a one-time delivery, we have yeah. it two times, and it's, it's mm-hmm. making an impact in the community here. Mm-hmm. All right. Today on Noon Edition, we we're talking about uh, childhood obesity, and we sort of launched this discussion by talking about a recent study showing a decrease in childhood obesity rates in children between the ages of two and five. So what needs to be done in this state to continue that down downward trend? If you have thoughts on the topic, please give us a call at 855-0811 or toll-free. One eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can also join the conversation by going to wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today we're talking about childhood obesity in Indiana with uh, four great guests that we have in the studio. Hattie Johnson is the Director of Nutrition for the Monroe County Community School Corporation. Daisy Chu is Program Director of Girls, Inc., a nonprofit organization that focuses on giving confidence to girls. Lisa Henley and Kim Rule are both here. They're from the Indiana Association for Child Care Resource and Referral, and they're involved in a lot of programs that are statewide, and we'll be talking more about some of them after uh, after we take our first phone call. If you want to join us on the phone, call 855-0811 or toll-free 877-285-9348. You can also join us on a live chat, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So let's go right to the phone. Sarah's on the phone. Sarah? Hi. Hi. For some some years now, we've been offering choices when we offer Halloween treats. Uh, and what's been interesting, we've, we've offered just you know, traditional candy stuff, and then we offer apples. And when we first started doing it, I, I don't know what the percentage would be of who took the candy and who took the apples, but it was considerably higher toward candy than it has been in the in the past several years. It just seems to go more toward the apples. And we just offer them, you know, here, would you like this or this? Yeah, let them decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think, uh, does that make sense to you guys? To me? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I'm asking the panel here. I, I wondered. Yeah, yeah. Kim, you're kind of nodding your head. I, I think it does. I mean, I think um, 
the, I think the more times that children are offered healthy things, they're going to choose it. And I think about my own children. I was shaking my head because of that reason. Um, my One of my sons doesn't really like chocolate, and so he would would have been that child. Now, my older son might make a different choice, <laughs> but but I, I think it's true that, you know, kids don't always gravitate towards candy. So I think it's great that, you, that you're offering those things, Sarah. Um, I think it makes a it's a great role model for for the children in your in your neighborhood and community. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Okay, if you have a comment or a question, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. You can also participate on a live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Now, I know I, I have to ask about the whole idea of cleaning your plate. I mean, that was, I think, in my generation, again, that was one of the things mm-hmm. that, that, you know, my parents sort of drilled into me. You know, their kids are starving all over the world. You've got food on your plate. You should eat it. Uh, is, you know, why is that a good or bad thing for parents to be sort of drilling into their kids? Who wants to comment on that? Patty, go ahead. I think um, because portion size is what the average person would think is reasonable is two to three times more than it should be. So if you make your child's plate and you've got all this food that might be appropriate for a couple per- people and tell them to clean it, it's like you're setting that child up on the track mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to ultimately being obese. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the better thing would be that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, prepare the meal and if you're teaching them and having them trying fruits and vegetables and following portion sizes that are real, um, and if you wanted to say clean your plate, if you let them pick it and take only what they know they could consume, um, it might not be bad, but just to pile it on and clean it, mm-hmm. just yeah. just creating bad habits. You know, I have to say, I've, I've been in many MCCSC cafeterias mm-hmm. over the years for one reason or another. And one thing I would commend the school system on is that um, they really use that space as a place for education mm-hmm. as far as learning about eating. And they have... Mm-hmm. Um, posters and things that say this is a portion size or as we discussed earlier um, this is what constitutes a complete balanced meal and so I think that that is reinforced you know every time the kids Mm -hmm. are in the cafeteria and over the course of a school uh, career that's Mm -hmm. that's a lot of reinforcement so very again very different from (laughs) our growing up experience I remember chicken and noodle day you get extra for five cents that was (laughs) was, do they can you still get um, they can buy additional portions they can. Um, beyond the basic if they choose. Mm-hmm. We should tell people who don't have a child in school right now that it's a little the way you pay for your lunch is a little different than it used to be. Do you want to explain that? Well, I guess I don't. I don't know how it's different. Well, you have we we pay parents pay into an account. Well, I guess they pay into an account before just... it was the paper tickets and yada yada yada. Right. So yes, you're right in that respect. Um, they can still prepay. In advance, if they don't want to do the daily, remember to give them the 240. Um, but all students have a PIN number. Um, everything's, you know, technology is the way of the world. And so with their PIN number, it also shields that child that's on assistance mm-hmm. um, because everybody's paying the same way. Nobody's giving um, the cashier cash um, unless they're making a deposit or decided they needed extra and there was no money in the account for the extra. But that basic meal 
every kid is paying the same way in that five-digit pin, and the screen pops up, and they're just okay. You know, it doesn't say, oh, you were full pay, there you go. It's just okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they walk away, and no one knows the difference. So it kind of moves some of that uh, stigma away of my family needs assistance in order for me to get school lunch. Mm-hmm. That's great. We've had somebody make a comment on uh, Twitter. Jessica says, uh, to this day, I struggle with not overeating from years of clean your plate drilled into my head. So that's a... <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to ask Daisy about uh, the, the kids that, that you see, the girls you see at Girls Inc. And you know, how many, first of all, how many kids are sort of regulars at Girls Inc.? Well, currently we have, I think, just over 350 members mm-hmm. that are spread out between our mm-hmm. sports leagues, camps, and, and after school program. Mm-hmm. Um, after school program is my specialty, so I mean, that's what we're running right now. Um, we're seeing anywhere from between 40 and 45 mm-hmm. every day, um, ranging in age from kindergarten up through high school. On, on that program in particular, because it's not, you know, the team sports and whatnot, I mean, are you able able to sort of pick out the kids and, and treat them and sort of an, have like an individualized program for them? If you know one kid looks like, you know, maybe she's going to have a trouble with her weight or something, do you try to make sure that you give her some tips on eating well? And No, we try you know. not to, to single kids out because mm-hmm. it is a very sensitive subject. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, when you're going through puberty, you're going to fluctuate regardless. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, so what we try to do is, I mean, we, we target the age group and we develop programs and activities that deal with um, issues and things that are going on with sort of developmentally in that group. Mm -hmm. So, for example, with our teens, we're going to talk a lot about peer pressure. We're going to talk about healthy relationships. We're going to talk about positive body image. We're going to, you know, we've done some basic cooking and kitchen skills classes with them in the past. Um, so that then they are better prepared as they grow up and move on to college and move out on their own, that they are more able to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we've talked a lot today about you know programming focusing directly on children and, and the choices they're making. But as children, I mean, when they go home, they they it's it's about what they're served, and they may not have an option. Um, you know, to, to they have to eat what is put in front of them. So. Um, what, if any, outreach, and I would really direct this to everybody on the panel, what, if any, outreach are you doing to um, encourage parents to provide the, the right things for their children's healthy growth and, and weight maintenance? Hattie, does MCCSC um, send anything home or have any uh, interaction with parents about nutrition? We've, it's been a probably a couple of years, we've done surveys. Uh, we have a wellness council mm-hmm. in our district um, that really focuses on total health, not just mm-hmm. the nutrition and physical activity, but the mental, all that. And there are some parent representatives on that council. Um, we've encouraged parents to to, to come to those meetings. Um, within each building, in, in addition to our district wellness council, we do a challenge every year for each building to have a building level council. And then those councils have done activities for like family uh, fun and fitness night um, to get parents to come out. And in those sessions, they do some nutrition ed and some modeling kind of things to try to 
further push that home. Um, our wellness councils created a document um, that talks to what is healthy snacking, healthy eating for at home, for uh, birthday celebrations, if they want to do it in the classroom to try and encourage, um, maybe have uh, fruit smoothies or parfaits as opposed to bringing in 36 cupcakes, things like that. And so those documents go home and they go to PTOs mm-hmm. to try to pick up the parent element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember we mourned the end of the birthday cupcakes <laughs> in my house. What about Girls Inc.? Any interaction with parents? Yeah, I mean, we speak to all of our parents daily, um, you know, because they pick up their kids from our center. So, for, for example, during the semester, we have a great volunteer named Chelsea that runs a nutrition and cooking program with our 9 to 11-year-old age group. So, and, and that always runs a little long because, I mean, cooking with kids takes a lot longer than it does cooking with adults. Um, But, you know, parents are there and they're interacting and they're watching their kids learn how to make, you know, roasted root vegetables and peel some parsnips and and beets and rutabagas and saying, oh, well, I guess, you know, my kid likes these now, so we can get some. And we also um, try to have extra recipes of the things that we're making to send home with kids because they actually do, you know, ask about them. And I have had some parents say, oh, well, you know, my my daughter, um, her favorite thing is to bring this recipe home and then cook it over the weekend with us. Well, isn't that neat? Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, within our project, we work directly with child care programs, but within that, we know that whatever we whatever information that they're doing really needs to go home. So there's a family engagement piece where they're able to, what they're learning, they're passing it on to the families. And they're doing a lot of things that you're talking about. Um, They're providing cooking classes and um, uh, recipe exchanges and getting children involved in creating healthy foods on site. And we've had even parents um, have testimonials of saying, well, you know, know, the kids are coming home and saying that they're doing this different now. So it's really making us, you know, uh, step up to the plate and also make better choices um, so so that all of that passes through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was um, one child care program up in Lafayette that had invited all of her parents to a luncheon. Um, she had one of her vendors sponsor the luncheon and she did a PowerPoint presentation. Um, the very first session that we have for this project is called Why Should We Care? And um, she did that presentation for these families, and it really moved a lot of them um, to make a a second thought about what they're doing at home. But also she did that so they would really understand why they're now making changes um, about nutrition, um, that they're – what they're offering in, as far as meals and snacks at the child care program, but then also the increase in physical activity. You know, we are talking about a lot about um, nutrition, but it is how sedentary that mm-hmm. these children are nowadays. And you mentioned, you know, getting thrown outdoors. I was the same. My, my mom locked us out of the house. <laughs> um, don't come back in. If you'd come in, it's like, why are you in the house? Go outside. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. All right. If you have a, a question or an opinion on what Indiana is doing to prevent childhood obesity or if you just have some other thoughts on, on this issue, give us a call, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free, 1-877-285-9348. Outside of the Bloomington calling area, you can also participate in the live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition, and you can also follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Um, I know, Lisa and Kim, you were mentioning 
mentioning at the break that there's a connection between breastfeeding and childhood obesity, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to explain that to us. You want to talk about the connection? I'll talk about what we're doing. Yeah, so... Well, we know that um, in this, in, in you guys mentioned earlier that the CDC reported that there was there's a de- decrease in our in, across our country um, with the ages of two to five um, who are obese, and and some of the reasons they believe that that is happening is because there are more children that are being breastfed, and more pa- mothers are choosing to br- breastfeed, and I I think we can attribute that to a lot of the education that's happening at our local hospitals um, mm-hmm. when children are born. I can you know I have a range of children Children, one between ten years of age, and so the the first, my first, um, I didn't get as much uh, advisement um, at the hospital about breastfeeding. Um, I, I had a, my daughter a year and a half ago, and it was very different. So in ten years, the amount of education that's happened, I think, has really um, impacted. So we do know that children that um, are breastfed um, for the first year um, that plays a big role in in um, if they're going to be overweight or not. Um, so there are links there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Lisa? Um, so we actually have two different um, kind of projects and approaches. And one is uh, we have in our local child care resource and referral agencies, we have infant toddler specialists. And those infant toddler specialists have a training to support child care providers um, so that they're um, ready for any breastfed baby that comes their way knowing how to support the mom, how to support the baby, so breastfeeding will continue. A big problem uh, why breastfeeding stops shortly after birth is because that transition back to going to work um, is difficult. Mm -hmm. So either the work site doesn't support it very well when the mom needs to pump, or um, there's problems in the child care environment. So we want to tackle that problem in the child care environment. So our infant-toddler specialists provide training and on-site technical assistance. Mm -hmm. The Taking Steps to Healthy Success uh, project, um, actually that's one of five topics that they focus on Mm -hmm. is supporting breastfeeding and childcare. So we actually have these two different projects coming together to hopefully help um, normalize breastfeeding as well because in the United States um, we're we're a little bit nervous about it and a little bit embarrassed by it sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to ask you about the other four um, step topics that you have. But first, we're going to go to the phone because we have a phone call. And it's Dave from Bloomfield. Dave? Hey. How are you guys doing? Hey, good. Thanks. Hi, Dave. Hi, guys. Uh, listen, I work in a grocery store, a local grocery store. And I see a lot of grossly obese children come in. Their parents are extremely grossly obese. Most of them are using, when they go to the register, using the Indiana Works EBT card. Uh, Or they're selling, they're renting their benefit cards to other people. And what I see them come to, the people that are using the card, aren't making healthy choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I have to say. Okay. <laughs> all right. So not healthy choices for a lot of parents, and I think we yeah, pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Have a good day. Okay. Thanks. You guys have Bye-bye. any reaction to that? 
Well, um, I, I will say that's why starting in early childhood mm-hmm. is really important. So we start out with those good habits, and as we've just been talking about with family engagement, you know, let's help these families learn, um, you know, how to cook more nutritionally, make good decisions, um, mm-hmm. and, and so and make better decisions about their child's activity level as well instead of using TV as that babysitter, as mm-hmm. you mentioned previously. Mm-hmm. So I think I remember, that's one thing that will help. I remember uh, trips, lots of trips uh, to the pediatrician over the years. Uh, every time we would go, there would be uh, – we'd be shown the height, weight, growth chart, which I thought was very helpful. Um, And they said, you know, it doesn't matter where you are as long as you're kind of comparable on height and weight. You know, you want to be, um, you don't want want one to be way up here and the other one to be way down there. So I would say um, just that I think the pediatrician also plays a big role in this because, you know, if there's any authority figure that a parent listens to, it's certainly the the pediatrician. Um, So um, is there... um, any kind of component to any programming, and I guess this would probably um, be relate more to your program, um, that you get pediatricians and, and health care providers involved in um, just the programming that you provide. Well, um, the conversation with the Indiana Healthy Weight Initiative, um, if you remember, I was talking about the eight groups. You know, child care, early childhood is just one, but it's schools. Uh, work sites, healthcare, so that would include mm. um, physicians, uh, breastfeeding, communities, older adults, and faith base. So, uh, with that initiative, they were really trying to cover where everybody is at. And so, we actually have representation on that um, group from all across our state. Mm-hmm. Um, and a- again, the plan was was developed. Um, between 2008, 2010, and now they have a plan that uh, is from 2010 to 2020. And actually, anybody can look at the plan and engage um, within that plan if they would like. It's uh, inhealthyweightinitiative.org if you want to go take a look at the plan. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, it's the caller mentioned what he is seeing uh, with, um, you know, overweight adults and their young children, you know, that's where they're getting that from. Um, They're getting the modeling with what parents are doing or not doing and then, you know, whatever is being offered on their plates Mm -hmm. at home. Um, It's, we've gone a long way to get off track and it's going to take a long way to get back on track, right? right? That's why even stabilizing where we're at with our levels, with overweight and obesity, whether we're talking young children or adults, is really important. Do you guys see this – sorry, Bob. Do you guys see this um, focus on healthy eating kind of taking the same uh, trend as as smoking cessation? You know, now it's a it's, – you know, just think about, again, boy, we are the geezers today. I keep referencing, you know, when we grew up. But, um, but you know, it was a very – smoking was looked at differently. Um, and now it is just so not cool and, you know, really almost aberrant behavior. Um, so do you see the the people's eating trends going that direction as well? Well, um you know, I think about restaurants now. Um, you know, I've adopted a, a fairly new um, diet, and so going to a restaurant is is interesting and engaging. But you'll see gluten free um, identified. You'll see vegetarian identified, and now you're seeing more vegan mm-hmm. options identified. 
Um, and, and just not in Bloomington, because I know Bloomington's mm-hmm. probably rocked that for a long time, mm-hmm. but um, you're seeing that in many other locations. So uh, I think um, the uh, restaurant um, community is, is responding to the, the needs, but then also that's those options are very yummy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So maybe somebody is going to get on board. And then also <laughs> other restaurants have had to say their caloric um, count for mm-hmm. different foods, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I was at a movie theater and, you know, the huge, large Coke that you can get, I, I think it was like a thousand calories. <laughs> Are you and I was kidding? very shocked. I'm oh, like, my, oh my goodness. I don't know how many ounces wow. that was. But um, not that I was going to purchase <laughs> that, but it was really eye-opening for right. me. Um, well, well, very so. quickly, you, know, I meant, you mentioned the five topics. Mm-hmm. I think that was for the taking steps to healthy mm-hmm. success. Yes. What, what are the five? Well, we talked a little bit. So screen reduction um, is a big right. focus. We talked about that. Um, physical activity and increased nutrition and really looking at what the national standards are and understanding what those mean. And, um, so, and also there's a big component on staff wellness. So we know that we want our staff to be healthy and modeling healthy behaviors, and that's very key when working mm-hmm. with young children. Mm-hmm. I think it's important everywhere. And, and I know um, it, we talk about this at the Indiana Healthy Weight Initiative that workplace wellness is really important across all boards but we do focus on that. Um, uh, Looking at breastfeeding, um, looking at what policies and procedures that we have around that, and and there's a big focus on healthy beverages. So um, Hattie, you talked about that, really making that change from having 2% to low-fat milk, Um, looking at what type of juice that we're serving at school. If we are serving any, it should be 100% or none at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So there really is a big movement to kind of really cut back on those juices and also having water available at all times for Mm -hmm. staff and for children. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to have to break up the conversation. We're out of time. But I want to thank all four of our guests, Hattie Johnson, Daisy Chu, Lisa Henley, and Kim Rule, and for producer Claire McInerney, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Mary Catherine. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu.